This episode is brought to you by Fireside. Fireside is a podcast hosting and analytics platform created by podcasters for podcasters. Fireside was started by Dan Benjamin, the founder of this network, 5x5, taking everything he's learned since 2009 from making podcasts for a living and turning it into a platform for podcasters everywhere at any level of expertise. Fireside has it all. Unlimited uploads, unlimited downloads, in-depth and powerful download metrics, a super-fast CDN for the best possible download speeds, multiple podcast support, free, one-click podcast importing from platforms like Libsyn, FeedPress, Simplecast, and SoundCloud, plus custom domain mapping, complimentary SSL certificates, a beautiful, responsive website with your own artwork and hosting guest pages, also tons of advanced features like sponsorship integration, chapter markers, a bookmarklet for links, auto-posting of future episodes time code linking and so so much more guys you can try fireside for free for seven days during which time you can import your existing podcast while taking advantage of every feature fireside has to offer the unlimited plan starts at just 19 dollars per month there's no commitment or long-term agreements to worry about just visit fireside.fm today take the tour find out all you can make it work also Enter at the movies in the How Did You Hear About Us section to show your support for this show and shows like us. Fireside, by podcasters, for podcasters. Five by five at the movies. Five by five at the movies. We like watching movies. Now listen to the show. Quiet on the set. Hey, Dan. Yeah, Keith. Did you know I checked the stats of this podcast religiously? I do know that. <laughs> I talk about it all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, do you know how many ratings and reviews we've gotten since I've rebooted this show? Is it a round number? Uh, no, it's not a round number. Oh. So the, does that make it like a like a seven? No. Is it a three? No. Well, three slightly round. No. Is it a one? Kind of. Is it an 11? No. <laughs> it's a negative one. <laughs> so since I rebooted this podcast, iTunes, because uh, it used to be Dan Benjamin's show, it had 151 ratings. <laughs> now it has 150 ratings. <laughs> Still five stars. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't earn those stars. Dan did. Uh, but <laughs> negative one and uh, no reviews from from anyone who's listened. So there are thousands of people that listen to this podcast. Just no one gives a shit enough to click five stars. So just a special thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. Well, you always say if you're so inclined. Apparently they're not. No one's fucking inclined. That's that's how, a good, how about fair a point. please rate and review on No, no, no. I want to keep it with your inclination. Right. If you're inclined, fucking do it. If not, whatever. Like there are friends of I have family members that say oh, I listen to your podcast, which means those family members haven't clicked the five star yet. Yeah. I mean, I listen on a pocket casts, which is a different app. Right. And that, that won't let you do like an Apple podcast rating. Oh, would it be hard for you personally to go onto iTunes and click? I actually tried on my phone. I think while they were updating from like the music podcast to the podcasts app or something like that. Um, because in the app you couldn't, uh, I was able to subscribe to it through the Apple app on my phone, but not do like a rating or a review. I think you had to do the rate and review on the computer. All right. So how hard would it be for you to go do that? Because <laughs> this show's uh, been around for half a year. Very. <laughs> okay. I was just checking. So as someone that, uh, I mean, is an avid listener of the show, you don't go on. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some news. We're going to be a really quick news show because I have a really long, amazing interview with Owen Edgerton about his Netflix. And, this is the uh, first, uh, second time interviewee? Second time interviewee, uh, but he released it. Last time he was on the podcast, he's like, I can't talk about this project. Yeah, I'm doing. super secret. Yeah, and then Blumhouse and Netflix were like, tickling balls tweeting each other for a mm. week talking about the something scary that's coming and they released mercy black with a very limited theater run and i went to go see it in the theaters nice. uh, not the biggest crowd because it was like the second week it was running and everyone's like i can watch this for free on netflix why i want to spend 12 <laughs> yeah. bucks to watch it but it was worth seeing in theaters Word. all right uh i made you look up some news headlines yeah Actually, that, weirdly enough, segues pretty nicely into a, a story. Okay, what's um, the story? The story is Netflix right? may actually buy their own movie theater. Yeah, it's fucking Speaking stupid. Speaking of having things to be screened <laughs> that you can watch at home. It's not just a movie theater either. It's the Egyptian. Yeah. It's a major Hollywood. Hollywood. Boulevard. 
That's a major fucking thing. Yeah. And I wonder if that's in response to all of the Steven Spielberg stuff. Or oh, if, yeah. If he's going to, like, blackball all of the theaters from showing Netflix movies, Netflix yeah. is going to be like, well, we have our own theater. And not only do we so have our theater, in it's the in your theater. backyard, you piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. It's the theater. I mean, it's not the man's Chinese theater, yeah. but it's one. It's up there. Yeah. It's up there. No no, uh, <laughs> no Endgame news by the name. That's, that's going to be the end. Yeah. What's okay. your next piece of news? Uh, next piece of news... Let's see, bring this back up. Ba, 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 ba. Uh, well, we can do a little bit of Marvel stuff that's not endgame. That's true. Um, somebody asked Kevin Feige whether um, they have a, they've been developing a five-year plan that they're going to unveil. <laughs> He's like, no, um, I'm throwing darts at a dartboard. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to wig it, fuckers. Um, <laughs> somebody uh, asked him specifically, does that five-year plan include the X-Men? Now um, that they have them. And basically his answer was kind of no. Okay. Uh, he says that uh, the quote is, uh, it'll be a while. Uh, it's all just beginning in the five-year plan that we've been working on. Uh, we were working on it before any of that was set. Um, so really it's much more for us, less about specifics of when and where the X-Men will appear right now. And more just the comfort factor and how nice it is that they're home. Uh, that they'll all be oh, uh, shut up. They'll all be back, um, but it will be a very long time. Is the end of the quote? Yeah, well, it's fine. So, they're going to announce Phase Four after Homecoming. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was official. Him. I think that was a IGN asked him when they were going to announce their next stuff, and he said <laughs> that it was a little post end game spoilery to talk about the stuff that's coming up now. Right. Uh, he, he's also like major spoiler we're gonna keep fucking making movies <laughs> yeah I really like that line he was yeah. like this, here's an exclusive we're gonna keep making movies yeah. <laughs> he's like look, look you nerds you're gonna sh- I could shit on a screen and put a post credit scene in it and you're yeah. gonna come fucking watch it yeah, y'all paid times. A, y'all paid a lot of money to see Thor the Dark World yeah. so I could do whatever the fuck I want I'm Kevin Feige out because <laughs> I imagine how that goes uh, Kevin Feige's gotta have the biggest dick energy in Hollywood right now. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. throw something out there. Uh, mm. Because we live in an alternate universe where everything's fucking terrible. Yes. Uh, summer loving. You know what summer loving is? A song the, from Greece. It, well, that's called Summer Nights. <laughs> okay. Summer loving will be the name of the prequel to Greece. They're oh, making. Oh God. <laughs> they're making a prequel. Like and about that song, like about Sandy and um, uh, John Travolta, Danny Zuko, uh, in Australia. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, because that's what we need. In, in reference to the vaguely, maybe not so vaguely, rapey song lyrics. Yeah. Did she put up a fight? Uh, well, I mean, that's one guy's take on it. He's just True. a prick. No, we know from the beginning of Greece that they are very much in love mm. uh, and boned. And <laughs> yeah. But we don't need this movie. We no. don't need this fucking movie. It's a it's a throwaway, uh, not throwaway song. It's one song from Greece. We don't need to start making fucking movies about them. Yeah. Fuck you, Hollywood. Fuck you, uh, Ghost of John Travolta. He's <laughs> dead, right? Uh, no, I'm sure. Just, I'm, just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just being a dick because he's a Scientologist. Uh, <laughs> anyway, just fucking stop it. Was it? I always forget who this quote is attributed to, but somebody was like uh, Scorsese or some like legendary filmmaker was like everybody's got a backstory, none of it is interesting or important. Yeah. Like, Stop with the origin stories. Like, the thing that you're showing on screen is supposed to be the most interesting thing about those people. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Stop. Like, it. Yeah, they all have backstories. Nobody gives a shit. All right, damn. What else you got? Uh, that was kind of all. All right, I got, I got more I things to talk about then. Uh, did you watch the Joker trailer? Yes. Last week we said we got the, the teaser image. Mm-hmm. Now we got the trailer. I fucking loved it. Yeah. I'm fucking here for it. Yeah, I, I really like it. This is not a super villain Joker. This is a, a weird dude dresses Joker. Yeah. Uh, I really like everyone saying there's a 0% chance the kid that he's touching through the fence is not Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that gave me fucking chills to think about. Yeah, because it's like it might be him skulking around Thomas Wayne's mansion, and he runs into little kid Bruce. Yeah, who's brooding and shit, and he's yeah. like, why are you so sad? Why aren't you happy? And yeah. he's putting a smile, <laughs> I'm putting a smile on Bruce's face. Yeah. Uh, no, Ugh. that just makes me fucking happy. Yeah. Uh, the Rock mm. says, in light of... Uh, all the good shit going on with Shazam. Mm-hmm. Good movie. We're not yep. going to talk about that yet. Uh, Rock says Black Adam shoots within the year. 
Nice. So we're getting the Black Adam movie sometime soon. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I was surprised to uh, see he was uh, an executive producer on Shazam. I wonder if that's how they kept him. Yeah. Like, hey, don't give up hope yet. We're going to give you an EP crap. We're going to give you a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah. Here's a pile of money to keep you on board. (laughs) Right, because they knew they had a fucking winner. Yeah. Okay, countdown to Endgame. Dan, how many days till Endgame? Uh, what is it? The twenty sixth comes, comes 26, out. It is currently the ninth. So <laughs> you're like, Jewish. Like three weeks. Math. Three weeks. There you go. <laughs> We're so fucking close to Endgame. Uh, let's start with the. I've been posting pictures about it on the Facebook. I think we've talked about this. <laughs> I love the theory that uh, they're going to defeat Thanos by Ant Man crawling into Thanos's anus <laughs> and your expanding. It is of any movie ever. <laughs> and now this. This theory has a name. <laughs> and what's the name, Dan? It's the Thanos theory. Thanos. For Thanos' anus. Thanos. And what would you like to share about it? Uh, so not only does it have a name, right? it has a theme song. Well, we have a theme song. That's good. Uh, a YouTube maker uh, named uh, Bone Cage. Uh, Weird. Loaded this up. I'm not uh, not entirely sure when it was posted. Doesn't say on the app. Probably recently because the app is not great. But it's got about twenty thousand views, which I think not is going to be a lot more in the next day. That or means two. it was posted <laughs> five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. That means. Uh, so here's just a, a little taste of the opening. A little is, taste of the famous. Is, if you yeah, will. it is a five minute long video. Not long enough. <laughs> so we're going to give you maybe like twenty seconds or so, okay, just, just to get into Thanos. it a little. Oh, here you go. I want to hear Man versus Thanos butthole song. Boo! It was loaded. Boo! Alright, that is um, my new favorite thing on the planet. <laughs> I really want to see... Like, here's what I'm going to say. I have not been excited for a movie like Endgame uh, in a really, really, really long time. Maybe since yeah. uh, Force Awakens. Uh, I would go so far as to say I'll wait an extra month for the reshoots. Go ahead and reshoot it so that he crawls in Thanos' anus. I'll wait. I'll wait. I will sacrifice this movie. And I'm already, like, you know, at risk of heart attack. I could die before this movie comes out if I wait another month. I'm willing to take that risk. I want to see the anus scene. That's what I want. Uh, Kevin Feige... At least, like, throw in an Easter egg or something. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe you're just cutting a fruit. It's purple. It kind of looks like an anus. just, like, a a little purple starfish in the credits. Something. Anything. Give us a little something, something, Feige. Uh, Feige says... Uh, the white suits are really important, not just because of marketing, but yes, because of marketing, mm-hmm. because the Avengers have never had a uniform before. They've never been wearing the same thing. That's true. Uh, that it's not just because of the quantum realm. It just it, to give this movie a different feel than all the other ones. Like this is Damn. really they're becoming like this small army to fight Thanos. Yeah. Okay. I always, I always like that they sort of, uh, while they didn't have matching outfits, that their uh, their costumes were sort of consistent in that most of them were probably designed either by S.H.I.E.L.D. or Stark. By Tony, yeah. All right, that's fair. Yeah. All right, that's all our news this week. That's Where? it. That was really quick. That was good. Here's my interview with Owen Edgerton about Mercy Black, which if you haven't watched it on Netflix, uh, go fucking watch it on Netflix right now because there's spoilers. Duh. Yeah. He's a kind of wealthy. Oh. You're, okay, like, you can talk about Bezos. That's fine. He, but he's like he is kind of the like, kind of wealthy that I like. I don't comprehend it. Right. I mean, which is actually most people. Like, um, you know, people I pass on the street are that kind of wealthy. Right. But I don't understand. I uh, think about it all the time. You want to be a little closer to your microphone? Oh, you yeah, can yeah. pick it up. Oh, before. I pick. It, yeah. I pick mine up. Yeah. Um, I just I just rest it on my gut. Okay. I talk about that on the podcast a lot. Um, you know, I buy a Powerball ticket twice a week. Yeah. Twice a week. Twice a week. They do it on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Uh-huh. And uh, I always think I'm paying for the fantasy. That's what I'm paying for. Every time I, I pay that two bucks for my ticket and I hold it and I see how much the estimated cash value is, it's like, now I get to think for the next three or four days what I'm going to do with this money. Yeah. So that's 
So I, I feel like I can comprehend that wealth at this Cause point. You, all right. Because I spend a lot of time imagining it. Yeah. I don't know. What, what would you do? If you had Bezos' money, what, what would you do? I would set 75% of it minimum away to start a foundation to take care of uh, homeless people in Austin. Oh, my God. Because I found out that Austin has 8% of the homeless people in the country. What? That's a big chunk. 8%. No, wait. That's, that's, that's I read just... it online. It has to be true. <laughs> we have a lot. I, we do have a lot of homeless people. We're actually, we were going down for a number of years, and then we, we kind of went back up in the last right. couple of years. But we've got like some incredible programs. Not enough. I know, <laughs> but we really do. I mean, we're actually uh, housing, you know, housing first program and community mm-hmm. first out yeah. in East Town village. is doing stuff that that is just really setting the mark of, for mm-hmm. some. But eight percent that does not sound right to me. Maybe I, it was a bullshit I article. Question, I right. question your. Well, now I have to search. go back and now I have to go back and read it. <laughs> Oh, this was just the headline. By the way, I always say I'm going to start a foundation that just houses homeless people. That's great. Um, because when I win the Powerball, which I'll definitely do, uh, you know, it's we had another article I saw the title of and didn't read. It was just like, as far as like first world countries, we have the most wealth disparity. Like, oh yeah, by far. And I'm like, well, that's absurd. Yeah. Stop. Stop buying missiles. We right. have plenty yeah. of missiles. Yeah. We're not going to run out of missiles anytime soon. I think the very wealthy want to remain very wealthy. Right. Of course they do. And what helps them do that is letting poor people get poorer. Right. Because they realize if they don't have the money, then the wealthy people get to have the money. So I think think that's it. I didn't study too much economics, but... You know, every time I think about what I do with a bunch of money, I think, what would Keanu Reeves do? You ever mm-hmm. hear any of the stories of Keanu Reeves? What no. Like, he has, like, a really, like, modest apartment in New York, and he takes public transit, and, like, he took all the money he made from the Matrix movies and gave it to the special effects artists. He's like, I've got enough money to live ten lifetimes on. He's like, I don't need it. You guys made this movie. So he gave it all to the VFX artists. What? I know. That is so cool. Yeah. He's just always just a cool dude. And then uh, I'm like... How much of this is really true? And then I heard a story of a buddy of mine lives in New York and his friend rode a bike into Keanu Reeves' car. Like, uh, just wasn't paying attention so I'm to do it. And Keanu Reeves got out of his car and just checked to make sure he was okay. And the guy was like, oh, I'll pay for the damages. Keanu was like, don't worry about it. I'm just glad you're not hurt. Wow. Yeah. Just everything I hear is like, he's a good guy that just does not care about money. I'm like, I want to be that guy. I want to not care about money. Yeah. I mean, that would be the thing. That That's the thing I think about, like not caring about money. Yeah. It would be a really cool place oh, to be, be awesome. like, oh, I just don't worry too much about money. And I'm, I, I can pick up checks all the time and stuff like, like that. that. Like that quote in Forrest Gump where uh, Lieutenant Dan says, we don't have to worry about money no more. Yeah. And Forrest goes, well, good. One last thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, just throwing money around. Yeah. I was on a cruise not too long ago and uh, the first night I won big in the casino. Yeah. And I was throwing around money. I did not do re- very well the rest of the day. <laughs> I lost it all and then some. But being a high roller for one night was everything. Felt great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just throwing around $50 chips as tips to everyone. Oh, yeah. Here. Yeah. That'd be pretty fun. But, you know, the people I know who do have a lot of money, they, they still worry about money. Maybe they even worry about money more than I do. Okay. Like, it becomes a thing for them. Right. I, I, Unless you're Keanu. I, I, except Keanu. I feel the same way. Like, the, the people I know that have, like, quote unquote, struck it big. Yeah. Become more preoccupied about losing it. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome there. Oh, maybe, you know, yeah. Like, oh, I better hold on to all this money. I better, you know, go to the restaurant I have the coupon for now. Uh, you're right. <laughs> well, I tell you what, when you get very, very rich, yep. I'll, I'll come to you and say, remind you, like, hey, be like Keanu. Yeah, be like, oh, that's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll, I'll and give you you'll have your bodyguard throw me out. No, well, I'll give you the half. The, whatever money I still have at that point, I'll just give you half. I'm wow, like, you're really? Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Are you a, recording? It's on, yes, recording. <laughs> this is true. When I win the Powerball, because I'm definitely going to. Uh, people do. People do. That, that, that's always my thing. People are like, you're never going to win. Like, people always win. It's always some asshole. Like, some <laughs> idiot in the middle of the country. Like, I might buy a truck. You know. <laughs> Take the money away from him and give it to me. All right, let's talk about Mercy Black. Okay. Okay, so this is what you couldn't talk about last time. That's right. That's right. We, it's we were, exciting. Yeah. So I saw it in theaters. It's on Netflix. Yes. Did it come out the same day at theaters and Netflix? Yes. So That's pretty, you know, I've it, never heard of that before. Well, it, yeah, you know, it's it was a a, a very limited like a theatrical. Basically, I was kind of asked 
asked Netflix and Blumhouse and Universal, can I, like, I would love to show it for, Hell yeah. for a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all big fans of the Alamo too. Uh, so it was, it was really fun to, to show it uh, on, on the big screen as well. But yeah, Netflix, you know, Netflix is like, we, we want people to watch it on Netflix, which right. is understandable. Uh, but it was but super fun. I imagine it's good for them because every ticket they sell is like a month's worth of Netflix. Right. <laughs> that's what I would think, like monetarily. I so, hadn't, yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, if you saw a ten dollars ticket, that's my monthly subscription to Netflix. That's a month's worth of movies all packed into one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Uh, Ninety minutes. How, what's the runtime on Mercy Black? Ninety minutes. I saw, yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Oh, uh, thanks. So, and like, if I thought it sucked, I was gonna uh, trick you into being here and talk about how much it sucked. That would have been uh, heartbreaking, wouldn't it? Yeah. But it would have been fun. Yeah. To, to be like to make you sit here and tell you your movie sucks but I really liked it and I feel like I'm not always the biggest horror fan because of Fantastic Fest oh. because uh, you know Fantastic Fest it, you go every year you know it's a lot of shit that's just like man this is never gonna get wide release because it's so dark and so great yeah. so I kind of feel a lot of the stuff I see in theaters is lacking and this was not oh good oh, this good. was great this was hair on the back of my neck and like Engage like I stopped eating my wings in the middle, which is a big deal for me. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, I was yeah. like, oh, stop eating and pay attention to the plot at the <laughs> Alamo Draft House. Uh, so yeah, I enjoyed the hell, uh, hell of it. I kind of wish I did hate it. What, why do you <laughs> wish you would hate it? Because then we could have fought about it. Oh, that would we can you can pretend. No, don't no, even I don't do that. Do that. No, no, I'm still no, sensitive. This is honest. Too soon. <laughs> this, is, this is an honest podcast. Uh, and I've never reviewed a movie despite the fact that when uh. When we put it up, the first thing that it says about this podcast is movie reviews. Yeah. So we've never actually done one, so this is it. But you so have movie discussions. We have movie discussions. Yeah, yeah. Mostly about 90s movies, but... Uh, so I'm gonna, I don't have a rating system yet. Yeah. So we have to come up with one. <laughs> oh, okay. So what, what should the rating system be? Thumbs up or stars or... You know, chicken wings or milk duds, mm. you know, whatever it could be. And out of how many numbers? Oh, it's... And mm. then I'll rate the movie. Okay. That, let, we'll, I bet it will naturally come to us. I bet okay. at some point in our conversation, we'll be like, that's that's the mode right, right. there. So let's start non-spoilery and then we'll get into some specifics. Okay. Okay. So one, a uh, lot of Slenderman parallels. Yes. So is that the, the base... Uh, yeah, you know, it's like... It, thing that started off the writing I, process. I wrote us. it like a... Uh, I wrote it like four four years ago or so mm-hmm. and um uh and and i wrote it just because i first that was when i first heard about slender man right and yeah. i started researching creepypasta i heard about the stabbings yeah. and the real crimes yeah. um and then i started looking into other crimes with kids specifically young girls uh commit murder or violent crimes um one specific one that always haunted me uh from england was a case of mary bell who's this young girl when at age 10 about the same time my mom was age 10 uh growing up in england um she murdered. She actually murdered two toddlers. Wow! Uh, and actually convinced a friend to help her do it. Um, really terrifying story. And then she went into uh, prison and psychiatric care. And when she was in her twenties and came out, she was allowed to change her name. She had her own family. And basically, when her own child was about the same age as oh, she no. had been, um, she was revealed. She was, uh, you know, the press knocked on her door. Okay, right. uh, no, her child. I don't think her okay. child. Could, yeah. I was ready for like her, uh, <laughs> her child killed some toddlers. <laughs> Awful. And her grandchild is me. No! Uh, so, uh, but that case of like, uh, you know, being the crime you did as a kid and, and the violence that you performed then and, and the way your child's mind is thinking and, uh, you know, one foot in adult consequences and the other foot still in fairy tales and Santa Claus. Uh, and that's like a, a wild place. And then, of course, being an adult and, and trying to, I don't know, Connect yourself to who you were in that way is a terrifying aspect too. Uh, so those stories scared me. Yeah, they are scary, uh, and they're real. And yeah, that's right. The there, worst part of it. Yeah, uh, and like, uh, yeah, not going much to the movie coming in. I thought it was gonna be about you know a couple little girls and like uh, kind of almost exploitative of like the Slenderman story, but it, right. it wasn't. It was at, it's like, this is way after like the, the movie kind of like gives you a quick flash of what happened. And then most of it's told through flashbacks. And then it's more like the repercussions in this girl's life for the first half of the movie. Yeah. Uh, being released from a psychiatric ward. Um, and that's crazy. And that hit home with me because I have all sorts of mental health problems. Uh, but I'm like, and she's so self-aware and she's like, do, she's like doing her exercises. She's counting to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't always work out best for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, uh, it was 
it didn't feel like a horror film. It felt like a really fleshed out good film that shit goes awry. You know, uh, Jason Blum said that to me like early on about films overall. He said like, hey, here, here's how you know you're, you're, you're making a good film. This is what you should be going for. If you took out all the jump scares, if you took out all the monsters, if you took out everything that makes it a genre film, right. do you still have like a solid... Uh, character study film that feels like maybe like a, an indie Nail film on of Sundance. Nail on the and head. And it was such a good like insight. I'm like, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, because they were, it was, um, I was out of the fact that I was in a genre film until the, the tu- you know, spoilers, there's a scene in a bathtub with like hands and shit. Mm. But I'm like, until I'm like, oh my God, that's right. I'm watching uh, a horror flick uh, because I was just so into the main character, Daniela, the, yeah. the actress, what was her name? Mariana? Is uh, it? Marina. Is Marina. Marina. Uh, the main character's story. I'm just like involved with her like, her like coming to grips and like, like the, the strength she's showing and then yeah. moves in with her sisters, the single mom and like, ugh. Uh, my two favorite characters are Will and uh, I'm blanking on the librarian's name. Lietti. Oh, oh, is the actor's name? Yeah, Bellows, Mrs. Bellows. Yeah, yeah. Her. Um, and uh, yeah. So this is our spoiler-free section, but I'll say like the first time we introduced introduced to the librarian, uh, I got emotional because there was such a Mister Rogers vibe. Yeah. Uh, Don't you want to hang out with Lietti? I would like if I was a kid. I'm like, like, yeah, Lee Eddie, be my librarian. I thought about like how there's there's no one like this. Like and there probably is in the real world, especially in the small town. Uh but I'm like, man, this is someone who gives so much of a shit about her job. Yeah. And like what a good way to like teach kids too because the kids you know this the young character is like starting to learn about the Slenderman character, which is named Mercy Black and the thing. And like she takes them to the internet and is like, look, here's here's what you can read. Not everything's a fact. Right. You know, like you need to put this in yourself. Like you need to decide for yourself. Um, all right. We're going to get back to the spoiler part. Yeah. But first I'm going to, and we, you can meet people like that, Keith. You just go to the library. Good they life. are there. Librarians are some of the best people in, in the world. Are they really? Yes. I don't oh. know a lot of librarians. Uh, librarians are awesome. People. No, I watch a lot of movies with librarians, but they're different types of movies. <laughs> like they take their glasses off. They shake the hair out. Oh, I've seen those yeah. too. That yeah. also happens at libraries. I don't believe you for a I, second. Woo! Is there a lot of sex so I, happening? A lot libraries? of sex. At, I, really? I, I can't say that. What if a librarian is listening? Is there, is there stacks on stacks? Get it? Library yes, stacks? I, okay, over. Yeah, I got it. All right, yeah. uh, before we get into the spoilery part. It gets part, all dewy. <laughs> dewy. Des, on the decimals. decimals. And, uh, Do they still have card catalogs in libraries? Uh, oh, no, I think it's all on the computer now, but That's it's upsetting. still the dewy decimal system. Is it still yeah, that yeah, system? It's still, yeah. Dewey right. Decimal does sound like a like a different like a mistranslation of the Rolling Stones sticky fingers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like I like the way your your head works. Oh, man, Dewey Decimal would be a great drag name too. Oh, it would. Maybe that'll be my drag name. Wow, if okay. I ever do drag. I'm gonna work on that. Okay. Right. Janine Garofalo. Tell Janine. me about directing Janine Garofalo because uh, Yeah, that was really fun. So I like I'm a huge fan of Janine Garofalo. How could you not? Be? Yeah. And, uh, and we sent her the script and we sent her a letter. I, I wrote a letter just sort of saying, Hey, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love what you do on screen, what you do off of screen. I like, I like your politics are fantastic. And even the moments when I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that, but I just still love that she's saying stuff. But, but uh, yeah, I just think she's great. And, uh, and so, she, yeah, I think the letter and the script and she said, let me do it. Let's do it. And she was great. That's um, awesome. She thought about so much about her character and she's really excellent in thinking about what is happening off of camera. So, you know, what did my character go through before I'm knocking on this door? That's uh, cool. Yeah. To, I mean, to really uh, cool degrees. Like she wanted to know, for example, the address of the house where a lot of the action was happening. Like what's okay. the address? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I just was like, well, that's important. I think it's important. And, and I had her different reasons and uh, it was super cool. Uh, I, I was a little bit starstruck when I first met her. I'm like, of course. I'm like, well, hi, J- Miss Garofalo. She Janine. reads that amazing poem in Half-Baked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I expected her to be the bad guy. Janine was, Garofalo? Yeah. Uh, and like they don't set her up to be it's not a thing I'm just like uh, she's usually plays you know a, a darker gruffer kind of thing she does and to see her almost uh, matriarchal yeah and like play like a really just solid good person I'm like yeah. oh this is great I like this yeah not to say that she normally plays bad people it's just she was just very earnest in this okay yeah. now we're getting and into she's this funny moment. she's funny too like she has like these a few just throwaway lines and I'm like 
You're just funny. But she is with, very she's piffy in yeah. a good way. Not yeah, in a yeah. Way. And I mean, of course, she's funny. What I mean is, like, I mean, Ginny Garofalo is a brilliant comic, one of the best mm-hmm. in America. But but what's fun, like, she makes this character who's not a funny character, right? But she brings like this humanizing humor to what she does. Oh like, yeah, yeah, Ginny. Which great. I would have to think a lot of mental health professionals have to do. Like, yeah. When you when you are dealing with actual horrors in your in your career, yeah, like you need that levity. Otherwise, you're you're gonna go insane yourself. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. And I think most mental health uh, professionals that I, I've dealt with have been like that. Mm. Uh, and so there was a lot of realism with that, whether intentional or not. All right, now we're going to go into spoilers. So if you haven't seen Mercy Black, Black yet, pause this, go on Netflix yeah. and watch it, and then go back. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. The monster was real! <laughs> Did you know the monster was real? <laughs> The whole time I'm like, oh, is the monster going to be real? And they go in the bunker and it's like, oh, it's not even fucking real. It's just some crazy lady going around killing people. But the monster is real. Yeah. Yeah. There was one thing I wasn't super clear at. <laughs> I need to ask you. Um, did. By the way, even if they turned off the podcast, they would still have heard you just then. You, no, I was you were loud. louder than a pause. Right. So everybody now knows. the <laughs> everyone, monster. Everyone in Austin, at least. People out in the lobby are like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's real. <laughs> um, uh, did the librarian kill Will or did Mercy Black kill Will? That's your big question, huh? Yes. Should What's I tell you? Yes, please. I want to know. The librarian killed Will. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought because yes. it was the psycho bitch yep. thing. And then uh, I pulled up something I'm dying to know and I'm going to put this picture on our Facebook page. Is I it mean- one of the, the end of Mercy Black Explained? No. Oh, it is a screenshot I need to know if he's holding the glass like that on purpose. It was driving me fucking insane in the movie. You mean... So how his fingers tucked in? Yeah, I had not noticed that until just now, dude. Okay, I'm glad. I thought this was like an indirector joke. So Will is a character in the movie who gets killed by Mercy Black, but right before he dies, he's holding a glass with his ring finger tucked in, and that's the finger they take off the little girl. Right. So I thought that was kind of like a nod. Dude, that's cool, but no. Okay. (laughs) Wait a second, wait a second. Yeah. 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 Okay, from now on, the answer is yes. Yeah. (laughs) Because I thought that was like a foreshadowing. Will's about to die because he's hiding his ring finger. And then I went back and watched, you know, like I jumped around on Netflix looking for every time someone dies to see if they were tucking in their ring finger. Yeah. And they weren't, just Will. Uh, but that, that's something that yeah stuck thank with you me. for catching that uh, I did put that intentionally um, yeah I'm sure of course Will and I met and talked about Will being Austin Amelia and then the second he's such a cool screenshot actor. I need to find and ask about is your cameo in this film uh, cameo cameo or in character a character actor I mean yeah, I think so, it's yeah. an incredibly important part I have to here here it is okay so. The very fr- the, the first time I uh, a couple of days ago to watch this, so here you are, again like I'm sure this is riveting for a podcast, but I'm gonna put screenshots of all this up. Okay, this screenshot right here. When I saw this, so this first of all, it's called You Watch. I like that because you couldn't <laughs> use YouTube, so it's a the background image of a bunch of YouTube videos, but it's called You Watch. Um, and Owen is playing a very Nick Offerman style <laughs> woodworker. And, I, and I, I pulled up this screenshot of Nick Offerman because when I first saw the film, uh, I thought that was Nick Offerman. Oh, my. Because look at the shirt that Nick oh Offerman's gosh, wearing. Oh, my gosh, you're right. And his beard. And that's what he usually looks like in his woodworking. And then I saw that and I was absolutely convinced. Like, oh, my God, Nick Offerman's in this. But it wasn't. It was you. In a woodworking studio. I, I think, why don't we just say it's Nick Offerman? That would, uh, I think, you know, get some more clicks. Uh, yeah, okay. So if you're listening, <laughs> Nick Offerman's in this film. But I, uh, that was, was my two little screenshot things I had to talk about. Because I'm like, oh, it looks just like, but you looked a lot like Nick Offerman. Yeah. And you have that vibe too. That's that's nice. That's a good compliment. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Nick Offerman. Good. If I can give any Nick, I, I wear a cologne called Nick. I don't believe you. Just so I you. can smell like Nick Offerman. Like I think Nick Offerman you just, smells. You just rub sawdust on yourself. <laughs> yeah, sawdust and steak. So do you do a lot of woodworking or was that total fabrication? <laughs> total fabrication. Okay, because you seem to know what you were doing. Did I? Oh, no, I don't know anything. Uh, yeah, we actually filmed that uh, 
over at Rooster Teeth because uh, our production offices, our pre-production pre offices were right next to Rooster Teeth. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I was like, hey, can we film this little thing over there? It'd be kind of fun. And they let me do it. But I was like, hey, how do, what do I do with this? How do I sand? How do I sand? How do I sand? Yeah. I don't know anything. Uh, my daughter those does now. So my daughter just did a, like a big semester project. She's an eighth grader. And at some point during the year, she's like, well, we have to have a big, you know, individual project and we get some time off to do it. I'm like, yeah, well, what are you going to do? And she's like, I'm going to build a boat. What? And I was like, what? what? Like, Your daughter you, built a boat? Yeah, she did, man. She How looked, big a boat? Like a big enough boat, like um, kind of two person sized boat. You could put three. Jesus. But she like got the plywood and caulking and sawing and all these different things and it floats with people in it and it, it's a working boat. I couldn't build a fucking birdhouse if you put a gun to my head. Yeah, well, <laughs> good, good to know if that situation ever arises. Yeah, put that in your idea book. Gun to head, build a birdhouse. Uh, that's crazy. By the way, yeah. there it is. If you like a movie, it's yeah. build a birdhouse. Build if a birdhouse. It's gun yeah. to the head. Maybe not. We'll see what gun else comes head. up. Yeah. Uh, Man, I, so I really like this this film, and uh, I want to talk about like of all the um, shit that happens to people. Every injury, the thing that got me was the sanding. Oh yeah, yeah, like stab me in the eye, cool, slit my throat, whatever. But that one little when he grabs her thigh, all creepy, and then zoom right over the knuckles. Yeah. Like I felt it. I just fucking felt that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like I bought a house, you know, a year ago, and I've been like fixing up little by little. I could every little dumb thing that happens to you while you're like trying to do like repair work that sanding thing fucking got me yeah ah, ah yeah that was gross good good I'm really I'm, I'm really proud of you for grossing me out <laughs> so bad um all right tell me more about mercy I'm, I'm trying to think of I had questions pre-prepared but then I got caught on Nick Offerman oh sure um, everyone gets caught on Nick Offerman <laughs> it happens what um what was the worst part about filming this movie uh uh well, like we had to shoot it pretty fast, uh, okay. and um, which is just the nature of, of you know films, and uh, and that was always like oh, I'd love more, a little more time, a little more mm -hmm. time, a little to play, to establish more places, to do things like that. Mm -hmm. That would have been a lot of fun, but it was also kind of a blast. It's kind of a blast, and like okay, we have this much time, let's just go for it. Uh, let's work really hard and get as much as we can, and everyone's on board. Like everyone knows, like we're doing this. Uh, because we're having a blast doing it, uh, and uh, and we're just gonna you know give it all, and that was really fun. Maybe one of the craziest thing was we filmed it in in winter. We filmed it in November, December. Oh shit! So uh, it, it it got really really cold. In fact, yeah. it snowed on us one night, right. uh, which is funny because like in the script, at one point I had a snow and everything, and I was like, gosh, we can't afford snow. We can't afford that. <laughs> Let's just write the snow out of there. And then it, it freaking, it, it snows. And, uh, and, but it was so cold sometimes. Like, cold, there's girls standing in the lake. And, like, it was super cold. And, yeah. Yeah. They, but they just. That, you know, that you had to film the lake part, like, in snow? It wasn't, it, had, it didn't snow that day. It snowed, I guess, like, five days before that. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, what? How was it working with that kid? Because he was pretty fucking solid in this. Oh my man. gosh, Miles Edmonds! He's such a cool kid, uh, he, and he, he's a charmer, man. He's like you know three feet of charm. He looks evil though. Just he, looking at that he kid, he can do looks it, right? Evil. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely like mischievous uh, as a kid, like a kid should be. And um, he was great. Like he wasn't one of those. You know, sometimes you hear stories about directors like, I got his scared reaction by. Um, you know, holding up his favorite doll headless behind <laughs> the camera and he cried. That's how I got, it wasn't like that with Miles at all. It, uh, it was more like, he's like, okay, yeah, what do we do? And then like, this is how we're going to pretend and this is what we're doing. And then, uh, and we would talk about like, what, what are the techniques? What, what works really well? And he was really good at just like, yeah, let's do that. Let's try it. And it did fun stuff. And he was also having a blast off camera. Like all the kids involved were, they're all really professional, okay. but they were like, oh, we're making a movie. Like the three girls, yeah. uh, they just were having so much fun in that way. And it was always this great reminder to, to all of us who were like, we gotta get, make the day. And oh my gosh, we gotta get this camera over here and all this to remind ourselves like, oh, we're getting it's to make a fun. movie. Yeah. It's still fun. Cause then they don't care about the money. They, yeah. They don't care about a product. They're just like, they just want to be in, in the, in the talkies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the kids say now. Yeah. I think. The talkies. Uh, why did the monster kill the dog? Mm. 
Why did Mercy Black kill Rob? Okay, I I, I don't think I, I I will never kill a dog in a movie again. I uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm like I'm I've definitely sure. gone out of fashion. Uh, <laughs> right. Um. So I mean, for me, what I was doing, what I was going for, was like, okay, well, what do I want? I want to. Think, it, 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 I think it's the same reason that dogs die in so many movies from Halloween on. Is uh is this sort of uh, build up of horror? Because when uh, when a dog dies, it's horrible. It's disturbing. It has no legal consequences. You don't have right. to call the police. You don't have to get everyone involved. There's not a legal case that suddenly goes. I mean, down. I personally care more when a dog dies than a human. Yes, too. yes, and and so I I, I am officially like I. I apologize for killing that dog. Why? <laughs> well, it's funny. I just want to know why it did it. It why? did it to, to bring the terror. It like, I don't want to know why you did it. I want to know why the monster killed do, it. Who do you think killed the dog? I think Mercy Black killed the dog. You think Mercy Black or do you think the librarian? Oh, shit. Oh. Yeah. Oh, So there okay. are three suspects, right? I mean, in some ways, okay. Will, right, right. Mercy Black, or the so librarian. So I think with the librarian, I guess the librarian could have killed it to keep fucking with the kids so the kid would eventually have troubles in school and then could introduce Mercy Black. To and to keep fucking with Daniela, with Marina. Yeah. To, to, to try and get Marina to believe again. Yeah, but I don't think Marina thought... I think Marina was on board with the Will theory. Mm. I think Marina was just like, oh, this is horrible, but it didn't affect her as much because it wasn't really her dog. Right. <laughs> yes. She's like, oh, this sucks. Oh, bummer. You know, hand over the face. But at the end of the day, she, she knew Rolf for a couple days. She was very close. They had an immediate connection. They did. Yeah. That, that, that was very pointy. As soon as she see Rolf, she's like, hello! <laughs> and starts petting it yes. immediately. Yeah. I did notice that. Uh, uh, what was my next question? The dog dying. Oh, yeah. Let's just talk about librarian. Let's just okay. talk about her. What's her character's name? Bellows. Bellows. Um, holy shit. Was she introduced to such a wholesome, beautiful, wonderful character yeah. that I was just like, man, like it really sucked me into the movie about how like this is great and like I, I, in my head like she was gonna save the kid in the end yeah uh, um, that's great I'm so glad because that's exactly what I, I wanted to be like here's someone who's outside of the, all the craziness that is happening in this house right and, and is like oh she's the most reasonable character right yeah and she's absolutely psychotic because the way she's just like, do you want me to come check on you at home sometimes? Yeah. And the kid's like, my mom's a great mom. Like almost like an abused kid would. Yeah. Uh, just everything about that character. And then she's so fucking nuts. She's nuts. And, I, I, and she lived through that horrific thing happening to her. And then it's like, I guess in community. Has she been in communication with the monster since then? Or is she just like a devotee? She, yeah. I mean, I need more backstory in the okay, library. I, I, That's all yeah, I care about. I mean, I'm, her, her, Sir Bellows's backstory. I mean, it, she, yeah, she, she has been, she, she tells Marina, she's like, the hardest part was growing up without you, being the only one, the only one who could see her. And so, yeah, if you think about it, like, this was a cult of three. And, and two of them are sent away, and now she's like, one. And she's like, I'm the only one. But as this sort of legend is growing and everything like that, and the mm -hmm. internet thing, but she's like, I, I, I'm the one true believer in Mercy Black, and the, the sacrifice was incomplete. Right, and that's why she hasn't killed, presumably, until then, because she's like, I want to be the sacrifice. Yes. I don't want to kill someone else for Mercy. Yeah, I'm the sacrifice. Maybe that's why she keeps seeing Mercy, because Mercy's like, fucking kill someone so I can come back. But she's like, no, it has to be It me. has to be me. So she's been like, I think she's been in that bunker before and stuff like that. I think she's... Oh, fuck yeah. I, yeah, she's been... Well, there's a lot of upkeep with a bunker. Like, after 15 years, like, yeah. the electricity's still flowing. Right, like, right. I have to imagine... And also, like, there's a very light settling a bush on to after 15 years. Like, and that's something that hit me after the fact was, like, so much of... The stuff like when she's going through the forest and sees the carving yeah. or sees the, the drape, it's like it's been 15 years. Why is this stuff still here? Because it's been upkept by this librarian. She keeps reliving this history in yeah. her head, planning all this time for this fucking sacrifice. Right, right. Oh, and that finger floating was gross. Oh, my God. Isn't oh, it? fingers are gross. Fingers are gross. Any yeah. amputated body parts always gross to me. I'm with you, dude. Yeah, I watched that whole Lorena documentary. Oh, you and did? saw the picture of the, the dismembered cock, and I'm like, uh-uh. Anything, <laughs> any dismembered body part fucking gets me. Maybe it's that. Like, how, what do you rate this movie? I give it five dismembered cocks. Dude. Okay, perfect. Okay. That's it? Is it? Yeah. So five <laughs> out of five dismembered cocks. I love that. Okay, that's what it is. Five out of five dismembered cocks. Yes. Wow. Look if at you that. don't watch this movie, you yourself are a cock. Oh my gosh. Can I, because I, I'm just waiting for you to review some movie and that to make it onto the poster. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's just yeah. four out of five dismembered cocks. 
I love that. And that's uh, that just like my staple for horror films. Yeah. Around. How many, because that's the ultimate to me, just looking at a dismembered cock, just that poor guy. It, yeah, it really I mean, not, not him, because he's a dickhead. He deserved it. But just anyone who loses a cock in general. Anyone who loses a cock, is it's harsh. Man, uh, what else about the fucking library? <laughs> but, hey, was that CGI with her missing finger? That lady really, was she really missing that finger? Oh, Lee Eddy? Yeah. No, uh, Lee Eddy is not missing that finger. Yeah, that would have been cool. I know. Like, what a specific casting call. Who's missing their ring <laughs> finger on their left hand? Yeah. Could I'm, you imagine anyone but Lee Eddy playing that role, though? No, man. Oh, man. Because, like, she just, her facial expression, and that's the difference between when she's first talking to the kid and when she's getting choked out. Yeah. Is, like... She just this complete change and like this like disgusting fucked up joy she mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. versus like this honest, earnest caring from before. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's it's just good. Uh, good. I'm mad how good it was. <laughs> I wanted to I, I was I'm because I'm a I'm a big shitty stickler and people that listen to this podcast know like if there's like a detail out of place. I'm gonna fucking find it and stickle. But there's nothing. Oh, good. It's great. There's no like loopholes. I just, I just really wanted his ring finger glass holding to be on purpose. Man, but... can I just pretend from now yeah, on that it is? Sure can. I'm just gonna move forward with that narrative. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, like, it's it's so bizarre how he's holding the glass. Sometimes just... you hear that. Like, I remember someone saying, "Oh yeah, like uh, I think I read this online. Like, oh, the phone uh, dial in uh, that's off the hook in Halloween Four is actually it's the themes. John Carpenter's do 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 instead of a busy right. signal and I'm like oh that is cool detail like wait if that's not true but everyone who was like yeah everyone yes, just believes yeah. it yeah sometimes I think of a Jordan Peele Jordan Peele like after Get Out was answering all these people on Twitter like am I was I catching allusions to this and this and Jordan oh, yeah. Peele of course is a, a genius and he's putting a bunch of those in mm-hmm. but sometimes I was like are you're you just saying you're yes you're reading <laughs> you're reading a little much into this yeah, but yeah. Get, get off it sometimes a, you know was it a duck is a duck Right, right. Sometimes a duck is a duck. Sometimes a duck's just a duck. Yeah. No, a cigar is a cigar. The cigar, That's I was going to say, the cigar, yes. If it, if it walks like a cigar and quacks like a cigar, it's a cigar. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. And sometimes a cigar is a dismembered cock. So, <laughs> sometimes so, it is. Yeah. Um, well, I love this movie. What else have you been loving then? What? What else have you been loving recently? This, I mean, this is like you know, amazing time of films right now going on. I'm trying to think of something I loved in film. Uh, I talked a lot about how I was I liked Captain Marvel but was a little disappointed in it oh um, because I think they released it at the wrong time oh huh Uh, like I think it was a great film but they released it in succession after Ragnarok Black Panther Infinity War and then the standalone that was introducing a character and so like it was a victim of circumstance that's interesting yeah I'm trying to think of another movie I loved recently how about anything you've been loving why well, am I the podcast anything? host all of a sudden say again <laughs> I'm the podcast yeah, host yeah you interview me that's great yeah. um, you know what it's weird that I got into was it, have you watched Orville at all no you know what I'm talking about no. Seth MacFarlane's Star, Star Trek show oh oh right yeah yeah, yeah. it's, right. it's uh, on, on uh, one FX of the, uh, yeah I have not um, is it good it's it's the Star Trek show we've always deserved. Really? Yeah. It's so stupid good because they don't need to come up with anything original. It's such, which is fucked up to say, but it's such a lampoon of, of Star Trek in general that the plot is almost secondary and the character growth is first. Oh. And it's really, because like all the plots are just recycled Star Trek plots. Huh. Uh, but they spend all this time making, and with a lot of levity, these very real characters. Whereas I feel like it's the opposite. I don't know if you watch Discovery at all, Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hate Star Trek Discovery. Oh. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really it's really great sci-fi and really bad Star Trek. We, we watched it a bit because Anthony Rapp is on it. Yeah. And my daughter is a huge fan of Anthony Rapp and the entire cast of Rent. Right, of course. Yeah, she's a, she's a Rent head. You have to be. Ooh, and, I've never heard that. Yeah, Rent, Rent head. Oh, gosh. They're out there. There's a lot of them. Solid. You want to know how many there are? How many? 5,200. Uh, <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Sorry. Was that Have bad? you seen his, his, like, while he's wearing his Discovery uniform singing that song? No. Yeah, the cast calls, you know, like, 500, yeah. 1,600 reboots. Uh. And kind of, like, that cast is kind of making funny, fun of how there's no originality. Uh, uh. Which I like. I'm trying to think of. What, and, what do you love? What have uh, you been loving lately? Man, uh, you know, it's funny. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like this week was kind of crazy because I was doing a, uh, a press bunch, and... bunch of press stuff. Yeah. And because, of course, the way they released it, Blumhouse and Netflix, were, it was a, a secret. So they started like hinting about it 
uh, a week ago. Right. Uh, and they're like, oh, we got something scary coming your way. And it was like uh, Netflix and Blumhouse were like, like sexting each other. I uh, saw that. Yeah. yeah. And I was, and, and, uh, and then they released it and then, you know, then the press was coming and I was doing these interviews and stuff like that. And, uh, which was a bit crazy and everything. And so now I'm just like, oh, I just, I want to turn off. And what so I've been, I started watching, uh, hammer movies from the, uh, hammer studios. So do you know Hammer Studios? No. Oh, you're gonna love Tell this. Me. So um, you know horror history, right? You've got like the Golden Age. Well, you got the German films that were so amazing and sort of set the ball rolling. And then you had the Universal horror films yeah. um, uh, of the 1930s. You know Frankenstein, mm-hmm. yep. Dracula, Black and, Lagoon, and all that. Right. And if you think about um, you know Universal monsters, by the way, Mercy Black. This is a universal film now. Mercy Black oh, is a shit. I, I didn't think about that. I, I did. When I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Ooh, look at that!" That could be the same universe. The same universe. Maybe Dracula's hanging out, uh, and, um, and the Invisible Man is in a lot of the shots. But you just anyway. Uh, uh, so so <laughs> later in the fifties and sixties, Hammer Studio, which is this studio in England, started making. Uh, a Frankenstein and Dracula mm-hmm. and they're like we're not making a universal Frankenstein Dracula we're going back to these books which are now right. in the public domain mm-hmm. uh, and they started making these fantastic uh, horror films okay. and uh, there's a, it, it, in sort of the horror geek world there are people who argue which is better the universal universal the the uh, oh, the hammer the hammers. Yeah. yeah and um, and that's where like Peter Cushing was yeah. huge and like a lot of those folks it's just brilliant stuff um, so I just love watching do you remember those. when Universal was going to reboot them all and they did that Tom Cruise mummy film yeah that's yeah. a bummer I didn't see it actually most people didn't oh yeah <laughs> They, yeah, because they had a whole thing. They had a whole way of like we're we're gonna make this like it's like it's gonna be uh, the, the Avengers. Yeah, they were gonna make a universe. Yeah, make a universe. And I remember there was like I guess they they attempted a bunch. There was a Wolfman remake. There was a Dracula Untold. Um, well, no, I'm talking specifically like with oh the, I know, yeah. but I think those were all kind of attempts to reboot. But Wasn't then there a the, the big with one, Aaron Eckert. Too? Yep, yep. But uh, it was like a good looking uh, Frankenstein. It was I Frankenstein, wasn't yeah. it? it was, I think it was I Frankenstein based off the. Uh, the graphic novel, I Frankenstein, okay. yeah, I'm yeah. But then, yeah, the uh, I think they've I think they've abandoned that universe now. They then, really have. Yeah. Well, now that you are in that universal kind of, I'll, I'll give them a them. call. I'll just give yeah. Them, yeah. So okay, so here's a question: If you could redo one Universal movie monsters movie, oh, if they said, "Hey, Mummy got taken and Tank," but out of the rest of the Universal monsters, you get to pick one and write it and direct it. Oh my God! Well, you know, they they just they they actually tapped uh tapped the guy who did Upgrade, uh, who was also the writer of Saw and so many other great stuff. Lee, um, gosh, I want blanking on his name right now. Uh, but they tapped him to do um, the Invisible Man remake. Okay, cool. Uh, and that's like for me, that's you're walking in the steps of genius because you're you're taking a James Whale film, and James Whale was so damn good. He did uh, um, Invisible Man, but he also did Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. My favorite of all those movies is Bride of Frankenstein. It's it's one of the best American movies. Okay. Um, and I love Frankenstein. I love all the Frankenstein movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it. My first thing would be like doing Frankenstein, but but that's pretty that's pretty hard. Frankenstein's been done, and it's it's a questionable of whether it needs a, a, a new version or if it can be done. That's really kind of saying anything that hasn't been said. Because that's going to be the tentpole. That's going to be like all the other ones are going to be built around Frankenstein. Yeah, and I mean, there's, I mean, I'm there's shocked they started with the Mummy. That was dumb. It was yeah, it was interesting. Uh, yeah, I, with no Brendan Fraser, mind you. <laughs> right, he didn't even have a cameo. I didn't. No. Oh man. Okay. No, he wasn't involved at all. Not some bullshit. <laughs> um. Uh. But you know, I, I'm also like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Van Helsing, like okay. the character. Right. But also that movie Van Helsing. Oh, we we talked about that. Yeah, we did. Last we talked time. about it last time. Like, yeah. Van Helsing. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> I love it. But oh gosh, man, I gotta think. What would be if I could do? Oh, I love that. What are the remaining ones? So if if Invisible Man's off the table because it's being made. Yeah, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula. Yeah, let's um, see. The monsters are, yeah, Dracula, uh, Frankenstein. Creature of the Black Lagoon. Uh, Creature of the Black Lagoon. Werewolf, uh, Wolfman. Wolfman. Uh, also, actually, uh, technically, uh, Phantom of the Opera kind of falls. It's really? sometimes included in the Universal Monster setup. Okay. Um, man, what would I do? I feel like we kind of... We oh, get, fuck I, it, I'd go for Frankenstein. Yeah, I mean, go for broke. Yeah, just go for it. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, we already kind of got our creature, the Black Lagoon, with um, Shape of Water. Yes. You know, Fan of the Opera is kind of not so long ago, I guess, the, the film version they did. Right, right. Uh, man, yeah, Frankenstein. Yeah. Now, would you base it in the 40s or 30s, or would you do Ooh. it... Wow. Modern. Ooh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, you got modern technology. Like we figured it out, but someone came back and was like fucking evil as shit. Right. But it seems like if you're doing that, you know, like, gosh, it's, it, it would, you'd have to do something, I think, pretty spectacular because there's so many different is kinds. Is Frankenstein a zombie? Well, this, uh, this is a technical question. People, Man, uh, it's just hit me. Like, is he a zombie, right? He's, he's reanimated, but he's a lot of different pieces. Right. Damn, that bothers me. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. eat brains or people. He doesn't eat brains or people. He just eats a I don't chicken. Think he's a zombie. No, I don't think he counts as a zombie no, either. I don't think so either. He's just a reanimated corpse. Yeah, but you, you know, if you watch him, have you watched all the films, all the Frankenstein mm-hmm. movies? No. So, so Frankenstein, of course, in the first one, the monster dies, right? Right. He, yep. And 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 Doctor Frankenstein kind of dies, and then they they put on this ending where he's oh he's okay he's right. not dead, mm-hmm. and it ends with toast to House of Frankenstein. And then the second one, Bride of Frankenstein. Brilliant, right? That's when they, mm-hmm. you know, make them the bride. Again, at the end, the only version in where, well, it's not the only version where Frankenstein talks, but in that one, Frankenstein's like, the monster's like, uh, no, you live. We die. And he blows, there's a switch for some reason that blows up the lab. He just pulls a switch. Well, you should and, have a switch that blows up your yeah. lab. So he kills himself. He kills the bride. He kills the other mad doctor, Frankenstein, and his wife uh, escape. And then you get, uh, you, you move on to uh, Son of Frankenstein. Right. And this is like one of Frankenstein's sons. Like, well, I'm coming back to the town. Let's see what happens here. Right. And it's a really good one, too, because he discovers I the monster. I remember this one. He discovers a monster, like, all, like, in the sulfur pit. And he kind of, uh, no, I guess he's not in the sulfur pit. He just discovers the monster is living in the, in the castle. Mm-hmm. He's living in the castle. And he's sort of been taken care of by this guy, Igor. Yeah. Played by Bela Lugosi. Mm-hmm. And Igor's so freaking cool. There was no Igor in, like, the, the assistant being Igor. There was a hunchback, but his name was Carl. It wasn't Igor, um, but maybe Igor, Igor was his last name. Maybe so. Carl Igor. Uh, but Igor, am I, should I stop talking about Frankenstein? No. Go okay. Ahead. So, so Igor is this character who was like found. He was doing some kind of crime. He was hung by the neck. It broke his neck. It's all his neck's all messed up, but it didn't kill him. And so the town can't kill him again because they already tried once. And like, right. well, dang it, double jeopardy, right? <laughs> some yeah. kind of law. <laughs> it's like, uh, we messed up, yeah. So, so he's like, oh, and he plays this weird flute, and it's it's awesome. Uh, and then at the end of Son of Frankenstein, um, it, it, you go on to the the next one, which is Ghost of Frankenstein, and that's Igor digs out Frankenstein and takes him to Frankenstein's other son who lives in another part of the country and says, oh, you've got to help him. you got to fix him. At the end of that one, they call it Ghost of Frankenstein because Frankenstein's ghost, the original Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, shows up and says, son, what are you doing? Uh, at the end of that one, Igor has secretly put his brain inside the monster. So, oh. yeah. And this leads to something kind of interesting because at the end of that one, Frankenstein's talking, but it's Igor's voice. He's like, oh, duh, it's Bela Lugosi's voice. And th- there's a big fire. The next one is actually uh, w- uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Okay. And in that one, Bela Lugosi plays the monster uh, in, in that one. And he, he, he kind of got shredded r- in reviews for how he played the monster because his hands were all outstretched and he's moving his mouth all the time. It just looks kind of weird. But the reason he was doing that is at the end of Ghost of Frankenstein, Bela, Igor's brain has been put inside the monster. So he's playing but, Igor as yeah, the monster. And he goes blind. He's like, I can't see, I can't see. And the doctor, son of Frankenstein, uh, or Frankenstein's son, says, of course you're not blind. You don't have the same blood type. It, it wouldn't work. And so you're, right. you're blinded there. And he goes, you know, he's all upset. So oh, they're bringing some science into this. Good. <laughs> yeah. Fucking A. So that's why Bela Lugosi was playing him as if he was blind and he was talking. He had lines. And right. they said, we got to cut those lines. Just mute the monster. Oh, that after. sucks. And yeah. Yeah. Sad. That's really kind of funny. Yeah. And then we, we could go into House of Dracula and House of Frankenstein. But I think we spent enough time there. Okay. But that's your pick. Yeah. That if would you be. could do one. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. What if you reignited an entire Frankenstein franchise? Oh my God. Come on now. I'm just aroused. Right. Come on, Universal, because I know you listen to this like everybody else. 
Just he's already got one monster given that, on the one. Why, why don't you just when, when you do when you win all that money? I'll pay for it. Will yeah. you? Yeah. Great. We'll do that. Yeah, twice a week, man. I'm eventually gonna hit the Powerball. Yeah. I mean, just uh, I mean, I don't know the statistics on that, but if you play twice a week, you'll definitely win eventually. Sure. I think that's that's, what I that's just science right there. But of course, you've already said now that you're gonna give away like 75% of it to home. That still leaves a lot of money. You're giving me half. Right, so I'll start with giving you half, then seventy five percent of what I have left can go to the homeless, and just you're separately you're you're financing my film. Right. Oh, oh yeah, it's yeah. completely separate. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. I'm have enough over to buy some gum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, investing in art's important. You're right. You're right. Oh yeah. All right. So what's next for you? Uh. So um. You know, I'm just I. I'm getting my mind into whatever the next uh, project is. I've been uh, working with some really cool companies uh, on some cool TV stuff mm-hmm. uh, that I'm not, I can't talk about right now. It's another right. one well, of those you'll things. talk about it after it comes out. Yeah, and yeah. come back. Um, but doing that and then I'm, uh, which is really fun. And then I'm working on a new screenplay that I'm super excited yeah, about. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Uh, it's fun. It's really cool. I had a really co- good conversation. Um, I had two conversations that really Im- impacted me in a, in a good way. One of them is my manager, uh, Allard Cantor, uh, he, he said something pretty smart to me. He said, I, for your next thing, whatever it is, I want your novel self. Cause you know, I write novels yeah. and your screenwriter self to go out and talk because okay. you're doing, you're doing different things and they could probably benefit from each other. Wow. Cause my novels are like literary novels mm-hmm. and everything like that. And I was like, okay, let me, that's a, that's good advice. So I'm trying to put that advice. And then Ryan Turek, who's at Blumhouse and, uh, and I'm a big fan of his sensibilities and stuff like that. He's so cool. He's uh, executive producer of Mercy Black. At one point, he told me, he's like, we we're just talking, not about Mercy Black, we we're just talking about different projects. And he's like, I want something bigger. You know, what's, what's the next thing bigger? Damn. And I was like, I really appreciate, appreciate that. Appreciate people yeah. in my life going, like pushing me uh, in ways that that's, I need that. Damn. Yeah. No one's pushing me. Really? I'll yeah. push you. How, well, physically or I'll do it all whatever you need okay. are you working on a new book of poetry yeah you are book three wow how far yeah. along are you so the way I write is I write way too much and then whittle it down yes so I could theoretically say I'm halfway done but there's no way it's halfway done because yeah. I gotta write twice as much and then, so we'll say uh, eighth of a tank yeah eighth yeah. of a tank okay yeah because I remember I guess your last one you basically wrote you know in a in a like a spiel you know, yep. oh, yeah. boom, like you know like Kerouac on a roll of oh, paper yeah. uh, yeah. just sort of pouring out your broken right. heart yeah uh, and then you it down you know like like marble and like what what has to be in here what did I write just to write what did I write to be poetic yeah mm-hmm. and, but what's your how are you writing now like what, what's your process same thing I wait I wait till it bubbles mm. it's always anger it's, it's the only place I ever write <laughs> Anger can be fun and anger can be funny. Yeah, yeah. Bit. But um, uh, yeah, I just wait till it bubbles and then I go in my office and I'm just t- tapping on my computer. Is you know that's great. Angry and loud and fuck you. Uh, <laughs> do you know the Do you know the poet Carrie Fountain? No. Oh, Carrie Fountain is well, she's now the Texas Poet Laureate. Ooh, I know. Shit. She lives here in uh, in Austin, mm-hmm. uh, and she's a very cool individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, and and she's a really excellent writer I love her poems but she has this like she gets up every morning goes to a quiet room and she she writes mm-hmm. and she's like so, you know for her she's like being there just getting setting that time and doing that is so important for her for right. her process um, which is an interesting thing of like you know showing up when you're not yet inspired right uh, and, and finding what happens there and she has this cool thing um, she has this thing written above her desk it says uh I think lower your expectations. Oh, cool. What, what it says yeah. of like, it's okay. I'm, you know, it's okay not to be prolific today. It's okay yeah. just to write to write. Just, yeah. 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 I should do that. Uh, and uh, I'm working on something big for the debates this year. You are. You're going to be very involved. I can't wait to, we're going to talk about it here, but it's for Fantastic Fest. Yes. The show is going to be live during Fantastic Fest. You're doing a live cool. uh, recording of we're it. doing our first live recording. Brilliant. Uh, it's going to be like, in between Duck Loves movies and Malton on movies, we'll be five by five at the movies. That's great. Yeah. Those things are happening. Yeah. Uh, now, the last guest I had on was Thomas C. Nicholas yeah. from American Pie and a King King Arthur's Court and Rookie of the Year. And he promised me uh, that when they make American Pie 5, I get to be in it. Oh. So you have to up that. So what do I get to be in of yours? Okay. Uh, you know, remember I said I'm not going to kill a dog? Yeah. We'll kill you. 
Oh, that'd be great. I would love to die in a movie. Yeah. Oh, I want to be. Should we remove your cock? What? Should we remove your cock? Just for show at this point, anyway. No. Uh, so now I'm going to be thinking about that when I write. We'll see. Uh, please, yeah, I would love to die. I want to Sean Bean it up. Okay. It's like how anytime someone dies, I'm like, oh, you just Sean Bean all over the place. <laughs> yeah, like kill that. me in something. Like. Okay, okay, I'll work on that. Yeah, I'll fly wherever. Cool. On my own dime. Yeah. I'll buy a sad car, whatever it takes. <laughs> I just want to be in something. I just want to die. Okay, all right. I've, I told you that last time, was like one of my very top life goals is to be a Funko Pop. So like if I played a monster... That uh, eventually became a Funko Pop. That counts. I remember you saying that. Yeah. It's my life goal. That's a good life goal. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's see what we can do. Okay. Love <laughs> it. All right. Oh, and thank you for being here. Guys, go watch Mercy Black. If you're not watching Mercy Black, you're a fucking idiot. You already have a Netflix account, or you're using your mom's Netflix account, or you're using your ex-boyfriend's Netflix account, or you got your aunt's Netflix account. Just use it. Click on Mercy Black. It's a fucking blast. Thanks so much. Ooh, you're welcome. Bye. And that was my interview with Owen Edgerton, second interview. Hey. Um, weird question, because mm-hmm. uh, we just came from the movie theater. We just saw yes. Shazam. If you had to rate uh, Shazam at a one to five, but the rating system is dismembered cocks. <laughs> Instead of stars or thumbs up, one out of five dismembered cocks. So, so five so, five so is the best. Five is still the best. One is the worst, yeah. Creepiest, but still best. Yeah. Um... Uh, I would say for a DC Universe movie, right. it is five dismembered cocks. Okay. Um, for a superhero movie in the Marvel times that we're in, of how good they can be, it'd still be like a four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it, was it was very enjoyable. I would also give it four dismembered cocks. Uh, something in the interview we just did, this is the rating system me and Owen came up with. <laughs> uh, I know the, you're not The one gonna... that we just listened to yeah. live. Well, you're not going to listen to it because <laughs> you're not going to watch the movie because you hate horror films. <laughs> I might still listen to the interview. All right. Yeah, it's a good interview. We actually talk about he's, what we do with He's an entertaining dude. Lottery it's, winnings. Yeah. He is an entertaining And it's dude. a good podcast even That's when I'm right. not on it. Go, well, I mean, especially <laughs> when you're not on it. All right, uh, R.I.P. Mason. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, that was it from this week. Uh, Dan, you got thing to pluck? Uh, nope. nope. You find me in these streets. Gross. Uh, <laughs> he means the corner. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Owen Edgerton, for being our guest this week. Thank you to everyone listening. Please review us on iTunes if you're so inclined. Please email just do us. it. It'll make him really happy. Email us I at guarantee you it'll make him really happy. Uh, with any gonna, questions, concerns, gonna, or criticism, find day. us on Facebook at 5 by 4 the movies. Thank you, Dan Benjamin, oh Hattie Cook, and the 5 by 5 Network. Our, gonna, our theme is produced by Sam Prickney and Dan Richardson. We'll see you next week on our 5 by 5 of the movies. Roll credits.